Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we pick up all the bits from the cutting room floor that didn't make it into our sermons and break them down. And today we are looking at the Sermon of Glory Paradise. Hi, my name is Christopher. And my name is Jesse. And uh, this is the first sermon, that's uh, the first ever episode of the After Sermon Podcast. Um... We should probably explain what we're doing here before we get into uh, the rest of it. Sounds like a plan. The um, the idea uh, of the after sermon is pretty much, uh, I notice a lot of the time when preparing sermons, there's a lot of good stuff, and of course the Bible's so full of all this good stuff, but it's hard to put it all into uh, one compact sermon. And that it is. So as a result, a lot of the time you've got to cut stuff out. But I still wanted to be able to share that stuff, have a platform to do it, so hence the after sermon was um, created, I suppose. So uh, that's nice. the basic idea for you guys, and um, each week uh, it'll be someone different, someone else will have a different sermon, mm. or maybe accompanied by myself or Jesse or someone else. We're figuring this out as we go. <laughs> It's, it's a learning curve. For both it, of us. It's a learning curve. It's a, it's a work in progress, but we'll see. We'll see. So essentially, we're just going to go through a few little segments, break down a few things, and um, yeah, we'll see how this turns out, I suppose. So let's get into the recap. But just before we do, uh, if you haven't watched The Glory Paradox, go to the link below. Come back here later because this podcast is full of spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that out of the way, uh, we can go into a quick. Uh, recap. So essentially, uh, this sermon, The Glory Paradox, was looking at the salvation story um, from the perspective of God's glory. And uh, it began by looking at a lot of the attributes of God's glory, that it was transferable, um, that it's powerful. And one of the contradictory or paradoxical, seemingly paradoxical things is that God's glory is both the source of life and yet can be potentially deadly or fatal to anything mm-hmm. uh, impure or sinful or imperfect. Quite the paradox indeed. Very much so. And so the whole idea is looking chronologically through the Bible um, at God's attempts to reconcile mankind so that it can dwell with him once again, of course, after the fall of man. And so uh, it's God trying to solve this paradox. He wants to dwell with his creation, but because we're sinful and imperfect, we are unable to. And it's not till uh, Jesus Christ comes along uh, and he you know, uh, finishes the plan of salvation and offers Mm. eternal life that uh, mankind can accept that sacrifice and then accept that promise that God makes to Isaiah uh, to become pure and perfect again so we're able to be in his presence. So that's a quick recap of it. Um, Let's go into impressions. Jesse, I'm interested to hear uh, what you thought of the sermon. Mm, Yes, my my thoughts. Well, if I had to summarize it into one word, I would say glorious, to, to be honest. Oh, in two, that's what I Two respects. <laughs> Christopher did a wonderful job. Highly recommend seeing it. And and two, it's about the glory of God. Mm. I think it's an appropriate word. But no, very, very, very good sermon. Um, It's a traditional storytelling, the story of salvation, but in a very different twist. It was very mm. fresh, a fresh take of this. And I think a very good one as well. Yeah, just exploring the journey of the, like the love journey of God, essentially from where he was to how he lost that and it came back to where 
where, where he wants to be. So no, I would highly recommend it. A very fresh, lovely take on this epic journey of salvation. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's get the ball rolling by going to our segment, The Drawing Board. Jesse, what is The Drawing Board? Yeah, The Drawing Board. Well, The Drawing Board is where we discuss the sources, the inspirations, and goals of the sermon in order to better understand the sermon in question. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So that would, that's back to me. Where did, where did this all start? Um, quickly, uh, it actually started a, a youth group night that we had, um, I, I honestly, I really wish I remember who was talking. Um, I, I forget in all honesty. Nathan, Nathan or Jordan, yeah. One of, it might have yeah. been, yeah, I think it was actually. Um, and we were turning through some verses and I actually ended up in Exodus twenty twenty six, which is one of the verses in the sermon. And it was talking about not going up to God's altar, uh, otherwise you'll be naked and exposed before him. And I read it and I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> um, sure. This is a bit random. Uh, but a bit <laughs> but I remembered uh, the verse back in Genesis, you know, they were naked, they were ashamed, they hid from God. And then I remember, started remembering all these other uh, times I'd heard about um, this This kind of, it's more of like a, it's a recurring theme, but it's also like a sort of metaphor of being exposed before God because God is all-knowing and that he can see everything. Uh, so it started off as that. Actually, the original title <laughs> of the sermon was going to be Naked and Exposed, or something to that effect, which oh, uh, would have been interesting. But um, it, it kind of took a bit of a shift um, when I saw this good video by The Bible Project, um, mm-hmm. animate, the animated explanation of God's holiness. And uh, that's where I got the idea. I got a few ideas from there. Um, for example... The idea of comparing God's glory with the sun. Hmm. Um, Very good analogy. Yeah, it really does work. It's great. Um, but also, um, Isaiah's vision. I hadn't come across that, or, well, that interpretation at least, and linking it to God's glory in that way. Hmm. Um, as far as the other aspects like the tabernacle and Jesus and um, the Garden of Eden, I'd already intended to talk about that, but I also got a greater understanding from the videos and a bit more of... Um, bit better of a link and thematic link between all of them which was good um apart from that just did a little extra reading little extra sources um as you do as you do as you need to do that's pretty much the sources and the inspirations i suppose and um i think the overall goal was pretty much just to kind of um get a better understanding of god's glory because it's not really something we talk about it's something we just kind of mention offhand because like oh yeah god's glory you know but it's really um a complex concept like i i still i still like the fact that god's glory is so powerful that it physically manifests itself mm-hmm. and that simply by standing in its presence you become enshrouded by it like yeah. the angels like moses they're all shining bright because they've just been in god's presence like that's a crazy idea it's incredible yeah. and yeah and so uh, incorporating it sort of with the the salvation story, um, yeah, I think it gives a bit a better understanding and a better appreciation for God's glory and salvation um, story. So, hopefully, if you've listened to the sermon, hopefully that's what you got out of it. Um, mm. And if you haven't watched it and you didn't uh, listen to my little spoiler warning and you're still here, um, go back and watch it. And um, yeah, hopefully you get that um, that message and hopefully you get a blessing out of it. Indeed. All right, then. Let's get right into the main meat of the podcast, the cutting room floor. Jesse, mm. what is the cutting room floor? Yes. 
Christopher, the cutting room floor is the segment of the show where we discuss the parts of the sermon, as you said before, that didn't actually make it into the full final sermon. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look into these things and discuss them, and yeah, hopefully you find enjoyment and blessing from it. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to start back in the Garden of Eden. We're going to start back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7. Mm. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So this was just, I was going to originally have this, this was just an example of God in his glory and in his power being a creator. And um, it's almost as though I think that um, God having the same desire to dwell with his creation, he he has, it's also a part of him to always want to be a creator. Mm -hmm. I think that's an aspect of his character. He's a creator, and so... This verse sort of links back to the idea of God as the creator and the source of life, I think. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, just a quick stop in Eden. <laughs> uh, and then then we went on to talk more about the tabernacle and uh, the temple. And so to go there, this was also another one I actually had in the... Um, in the original one, up until about like the very like last day, Ooh, man, it I cut it real close. I was like, "Oh, yeah. I'll just I'll just keep them in the one the one chapter in the one place. I'll be nice to them. I won't have them <laughs> flipping their pages all over the works." So, uh, Exodus chapter forty and uh, verses thirty four to thirty five. All yours, Jesse. Awesome. It says this. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And verse 35, And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, again, that, the idea of God's glory being in the tabernacle, so he could still dwell with his creation. Um, but Moses couldn't go in. Yeah. Uh, he was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. Um, which, which is interesting, too, because Moses describes himself as the meekest of all men. Yeah. So if Moses can't get in, man. Yeah, boy. Um <laughs> So it's interesting that, yeah, only the priests could go into, well, even the most holy place only once a year. Mm. Um, but yeah, you had to be part of the um, the priesthood in order to go through all of the necessary rituals and stuff in order to get through to it. Um, and it's an interesting progression. Um, even the fact, again, as we come to later back in Hebrews, as Jesus is now our, you know, our heavenly high priest. Mm. He doesn't have to go through all this cleansing and got to make sure I'm morally and ritually clean. Yeah. <laughs> in out, in out, you know. It's a much, much more efficient system. <laughs> and uh, we read a little bit about um, some <laughs> negative consequences about Ooh, not yeah. quite listening to these uh, good regulations in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1. Mm-hmm. It says, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And then if you keep reading on in verses 8 to 10, it said, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. Um, and it's a very interesting, very interesting concept. It first of all shows Nadab and Abihu, um, 
cocking it. They uh, <laughs> they're doing all sorts of whack stuff in the um, tabernacle, which they shouldn't be, with all their profane incense and fire. Yeah, and um, and then afterwards, God gives some regulations, to which I'm like, it it, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. I'm like, really? Like God had to tell you guys not to do this in the most reverential place, like the most sacred uh, place. I mean, if Moses couldn't get in, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Moses can't get in, what are you guys uh, doing? Oh uh, my goodness. Exactly. Um. And so, yeah, he says, look, I'm going to, you have to be able to recognize the difference between the holy and the old, uh, unholy and the unclean and the clean. And that was, again, all to do with um, ritual and moral purity. Hmm. And I, I think that's interesting. A lot of people will read through Leviticus and go, oh, man, a lot of these, these laws are really weird. Like, mm-hmm. you're unclean if I do this or if I touch this or whatever. But what, if my house gets mold in it, I have to burn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so... It, it, again, it's not as though the person's done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They haven't committed any sin. They've done nothing morally wrong by, let's just say, you know, touching someone sick or diseased or touching a dead body or a dead animal, whatever it is. Yeah. They haven't done anything wrong. But again, it's God making this distinction between the clean and the unclean or the pure and the impure. Mm-hmm. And I think just creating this idea that um, I'm as pure and holy as it gets uh, mm-hmm. If you want to be in my presence, exactly, you got to know you're pure from your impure. You've and got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of work to do, <laughs> and uh, tough luck, you can't do it yourself. So yeah, I'm going to have to come in and help you guys, which good thing because again, exactly. we can't do it. we can't do anything. Work with us. Exactly. Um, but interestingly, uh, if we go to Second Chronicles chapter five. Uh, we see a, a similar thing happening to what we read about in the first verse in Exodus 40, uh, with God's presence filling the temple this time, Solomon's temple, as opposed to the tabernacle. Hmm. Um, yep, all yours, Mr. Marks. Sweet. So yeah, Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 7, 13, and 14. Then the priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim, then moving forward to verse 13, and it says this. Here we go. Indeed, it came to pass, when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice for the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house of the Lord, so, sorry, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud. So that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Mm. Mm. Very, very interesting how, um, a, again, this reiteration of, uh, even this time, it's the priest. The priest mm. can't go into the most holy place. Again, they can only go in uh, once a year in the Day of Atonement. Exactly. And it's pretty much the a very similar phrasing to the text in Exodus. Mm, they, still this cloud that sort of comes in and covers yeah, the temple sanctuary. Yeah. It's, God's revealing himself in the same way and um, he hasn't changed. He's got the same regulations. Uh, look, you guys can't come in here. Yeah, it's exactly. dangerous for you. Even um, the most holy of holy, the priests. So, yeah, uh, even they couldn't. So, yeah. Um, very interesting just to see that again. And then uh, this is kind of cheating. I'm kind of cheating here because I'm using a quote from Jesus here um, when I should just 
put it in the, the Jesus part that comes next. But yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. <laughs> um, oh goodness, Matthew. Oh, you know what? So, wrong verse. <laughs> no, it's just I don't even have the verse. I um, I mean the chapter. I just. Oh, I absolutely cooked it. Um, I've got both <laughs> verses written here in no that chapter. But you know what? Uh, sue me. I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's if you if you just want to go to Bible Gateway and uh, just look up Matthew Woe to the Pharisees. It's a big whole chapter. I wish I could remember the, the chapter. <laughs> but if you look in verses 16 and 17, uh, you'll find that um, the Pharisees are talking about the temple as sacred, and then. Uh, Jesus essentially, he, he says to them, he goes, you keep putting this emphasis on the temple as in, you know, the bricks and everything that comprises of it. And he says, you've totally missed the point. Do you think it's the, the bricks and everything that make the temple holy or what's inside of it that makes the bricks and everything else, mm -hmm. you know, what makes the pl it a sacred place? And so I suppose it's um, reiterating the fact that God's presence is there. That's what makes... Mm -hmm. That's what makes the temple a holy place, not um, the structure itself. Is it the meat or the packaging? Oh, ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so then we continue on to Jesus' ministry. Um, in the actual sermon, in between those two parts, uh, we looked at the vision of Isaiah, but mm. there's not really a lot of new stuff there, so we'll go straight to Jesus' ministry. Why not? Um, and we're in Matthew chapter 17 for that one. Um, and also... Uh, a lot of the time, honestly, I strongly encourage, um, we've got uh, like a lot of verses here, but the, I think, uh, you would speak for this as well. The, uh, yep. the, the theme of God's glory is it's everywhere. Yeah, you, I, you could spend a lot of time. Yeah. It's like when people go, Oh, I just, you know, highlight, highlight the bits in the Bible that are really cool. I'm like, Oh boy, that's uh, kind of like all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few good memes of that with this, this whole Bible highlighted mm. and you could almost do the exact same thing. So yeah, I just really encourage, um, to go looking for some of these verses yourself. Exactly. Um, but we're in Matthew chapter 17. I'm just going to maybe skim read through this one because uh, we're focusing on verses 1 through 7 and that's a lot. It's a little bit of a chunk. It's, yeah. a, it's a bit. <laughs> we want to keep this quick. But it's a story of Jesus' transfiguration and uh, in verse 2 it says, His face shone like the sun, that's Jesus, and his clothes became as white as the light. And um, once again, just the idea of, uh, you know, this bright radiant light that is always seems to be in God's presence and in God's glory and Jesus himself being God. It's interesting mm. um, that this aspect of his was for the majority of the time not really demonstrated. Mm. He didn't go around with a glowing face <laughs> for most of his ministry. It's like for our benefit God hides his glory occasionally. Like, yeah. He yeah. Kind of covers it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I suppose <clears throat> it's not uncommon. Like it's not uh, it's not foreign to God either cuz uh, if you think of all the Christophanies um <laughs> back in the Old Testament, uh like for example, a lot of uh, theologians will say that the three visitors who visited Abraham, Abraham yeah. were um God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they mm. as you said, they gave off no um signs of visible like glory and light. And um, it even reminds me of when Moses saw God. Yeah, like God, Moses asked God to see 
like his glory. But mm. God said, I will show my back parts in front of you. Yeah. So it's kind of, okay. Right, yeah, yeah. he can't reveal it all. Otherwise, we're dead. And yeah. that's, that's the glory paradox. That's the point. That is. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just interesting um, that uh, God does that sometimes in order for us to sort of grasp it and just for our own protection, our own mm. well-being, he, uh, he won't reveal his entire glory. And I think certain attributes of... Um, Jesus' glory as well uh, were also sort of concealed, like um, mm. this idea of the sheer power. He never, he never really used the power, because, especially because he never used it for himself. Exactly. Um, the only uh, example that comes to mind at the moment was the one I used in the sermon, um, where the soldiers come to arrest him and they ask mm. him, you know, who the guy looking for, and he says, "I am, I am the name of God." They all fall back. Exactly. <laughs> all they have to do is say the name of God. That's that's, that's it. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Indeed. Let's let's uh let's hop over to Mark. What do you got to say, Mark? I like Mark. <laughs> Good old short sweet Mark. Mark <laughs> chapter five and a verse thirty. All yours. Sweet. Yeah. Mark keeps it to the point. So <laughs> guys that like concise to the point kind of thing. This yeah. is good. Read the book of Mark, <clears throat> and it says this. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Mm. So, um, this is, you know, the story of that woman who's sick, and she touches Jesus. And this is kind of the uh, principle of Isaiah's uh, hot coal. The, uh, the effect that the uncleanliness of the lady didn't transfer to Jesus as traditionally thought, mm. and that's how the priests ran. But instead, Jesus' cleanliness and his purity is going out to this woman, mm. which is a very interesting concept. It is, yeah. yeah. It, it kind of like reminds me of fire. You, if you chuck your rubbish into the fire, the, the rubbish doesn't accumulate with the fire and come yeah. with, it burns it off. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So it's, <clears throat> it's this kind of reversal paradigm. It doesn't really make sense to us. Mm. Or uh, the classic example I've also heard um, is... You know, if, let's say, Mr. Marcus, you've got dirty hands, and my hands are really clean. Mm -hmm. If we shake hands, uh, you're not going to catch my clean. I'm going to get dirt all <laughs> get over my dirt, hands. Yeah. And so, it's a weird, it's a paradigm shift for Jesus to come down mm. and to be going around shaking all these people's hands, and he's making all their hands clean. Exactly. And he's not dirty at all. He's clean himself. <laughs> he's clean himself. It's uh, it really is a great um fulfillment of God's promise and it really mm. does show off, you know, his um his glory, I suppose. Definitely. Alright, and uh in Matthew chapter eight, uh good old uh Beatitudes, <laughs> short and sweet, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And um I find it interesting that he uses the word Jesus used the word pure specifically, mm. uh, because all the other ones don't really you know, they shall inherit the earth, they will be comforted, they will obtain mercy. They shall see God is the only one that has this reference to being, mm. you know, with God. Even the one, um, you shall be called sons of God. Well, uh, Jesus says even now we can be sons, sons of, of God. God. Exactly. Uh, but this one specifically is, you will see God. And that makes mm. sense because anyone who's impure or imperfect can't mm. be in his presence and so exactly. in order for us to see him yeah we have to be pure we have to be pure in heart so mm. you know good old straightforward <laughs> thanks thanks Matthew nice and straightforward it makes sense uh, guess what we're going into our 
for the bonus round. Oh, man. Uh, the, this is just some uh, random ones. I, I might just give these quotes quickly to you as opposed to going through them. If you want to look up uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 6 through to 7, you have the story of Uzziah. Um, I've always felt a bit <laughs> sad for Uzziah. Uzziah yeah. He was trying to do the right thing, uh, catching the Ark of the Covenant, <laughs> but... Um, he also should have known better, so... Exactly. Sorry, Isaiah, that one's on you. And uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 9, mm. talking about the shepherds, we all know uh, that story pretty familiar. <laughs> We're all familiar with it. Um, exactly. And the shepherds are all afraid of the angels because they're bright and radiant, yeah. and there's a ton of them, so... Yeah, a good activity. Look through all the angels in the Bible and try yeah. and find one person that's not afraid. Oh, I don't think there is one. <laughs> no, I, me neither. Even... Um, even good old Gideon, he, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. for a while you're like, hey Gideon, aren't you supposed to be afraid of this guy? And then it, <laughs> and then it tells him, and then the angel of the Lord like revealed himself and then Gideon's like, oh boy, oh, oh boy. So again, <laughs> that example of the glory being hidden, concealed for a bit and then revealed uh, later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's your little quick bonus round. I suppose this next one is also sort of a bonus round. Mm. Um, the uh, next few verses we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit. Um, I decided to cut this out uh, purely because, sort of wrapping up with Jesus, uh, it was a nice it was a nice way to wrap up, um, going straight from Jesus and then to uh, new heaven and new earth and new Eden and all that. Okay, um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it it it, it worked better thematically, um, and uh, yeah, it also cut down my time a bit, which was nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea of the Holy Spirit, um, it's the, I think it's, I think it really embodies the concept of God still dwelling with us now. Yeah. Um, it, it, Paul calls it the mystery because really it's God's glory in us. Like that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's why it's, it's like, uh, it, it happens. It's it, true. It, like, it, that's incredible. It is. It, it's a difficult concept for us to kind of wrap our minds around. Um, but, uh. Enough talking from me. Let's go to John. Yes. Let's see what John's got, or rather, I think, <laughs> rather what Jesus has got to say, yeah. as recounted by John. But um, <laughs> either or, same difference. Sweet. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Looks like you've got it. Shoot. That's good. <clears throat> if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he, I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he might abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not, eat, I will not leave you orphans; I will come to you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there you've got that promise that <clears throat> Jesus makes to his followers, uh, that you know I've been with you now, I've been dwelling with you, and I want to mm. continue doing it. Um, spoiler alert: back <laughs> in uh, Matthew. Ah, dang it, what's the chapter? With all the prophecies of end times. I know you know this. Oh, 24. 24. 24. There we go. Fact check us if it's not wrong. But I trust, <laughs> yeah. I trust Mark. I'm pretty sure it's 24. Yeah, so back in Matthew 24, uh, spoilers, AD 70, the temple's going to be destroyed. Um, so how am I going to dwell with you? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit up until I come back again. Yeah. And um, interesting how he says, I won't leave you orphans, considering a few verses ago we read about... Um, you know, being a child of God, the pure in heart shall see God. And then the other, the following verse talked about being a child of God. Mm. So he's not going to leave us uh, anytime soon. And um, 
Yeah, as you said, mm-hmm. that that idea of the mystery of God's glory being in us. It yeah, it, it it's pretty cool. It like, is. <laughs> like if you think about it, like Paul also talks about, we are the new temple. Mm. The old temple destroyed eighty seventy. We are the new temple. Exactly. The new high priest, Jesus. Yeah. So, it, it, man, the the connectivity of the Bible. Oh right. man, you're blowing my mind yeah. here. Yeah, the the fact that our body is the temple. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit or the glory of God coming into the, us exactly. in the same way it did in the tabernacle and the temple. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It comes together. Mind man. blown. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the beauty of the Bible. It all comes together. <laughs> you, you just have to look for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, uh, we have Jesus giving his promise to his disciples right before he ascends. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So again, that just that promise, uh, and you'll have power. Interesting, mm. and um, you know we would uh, equate a lot of that to the spiritual gifts yeah. that come as a result of uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're interested to find out what that means, read Acts. Aha! There we go. <clears throat> Speaking of our good power acts, let's keep. Plowing through, mm. we're in Acts chapter thirteen, verses uh, verse forty-seven. Forty-seven, eh? and uh, this is talking about our good, good pal Paul. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I just like this uh, <laughs> or the the symbolic talk of being a light to the world. Uh, I, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Jesus talks about it. A light set on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, so many verses to do with light, or the fact that Jesus mm-hmm. calls us children of light. And uh, again, that this idea of if God's glory is transferable, mm. and the disciples were once with Jesus, and he says he's the light of the world, and the light of the world was the life of men. Mm. And if... He can pass on that light, and now we're to be a light to the world. Essentially, that's saying, you know, we have this, we have this good news of eternal life and of the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And it's, we, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy, and if we're if we're alive on the hill, we cannot be hidden. We have to share it with everyone. And yeah, it's just interesting. It's the same. Mm. Uh, and well, Paul, Paul knew what he was doing. He did a really mm. good job of um, answering that call. So. Definitely. Like it, it reminds me too back to the Garden of Eden. God mm. created us to be in His image. We are created in the image of God. Mm. God's character is glory, essentially. Yeah. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to change that character. So bit by bit, like Paul, we can show that light. Yeah. It's cool. Nice. This is true. <clears throat> and uh, look, we're on to our last topic. I yeah. think I think we're doing pretty good for time. We'll we'll wrap it up. We'll yeah. wrap it up. Um, but uh, quickly, the last part we're going to look at is the second coming. Um. During the sermon, I kind of like briefly touched on this. Uh, it was more of like a, just a quick stop to get to Revelation 22. Um, there are a lot of good details to do with the second coming and uh, talking about God's glory. And uh, we'll begin in ooh, Matthew 24. Oh, there we go. Mr. Mark's called it. Very good. Very nice. Uh, chapter, uh, uh, verse, verse 30. Not a chapter. A verse. Uh, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Mm. 
interesting, interesting reaction. Mr. Marx, mm-hmm. why would these people uh, be mournful <laughs> when they're seeing God's glory? Care to impart some words of wisdom? Oh, yeah, man. Where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> Just the whole Bible. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it all uh, starts back in Genesis. Oh, but, um, pretty much. <laughs> nah, man. If, if Jesus is coming in all glory, man, the world is going to be scared. Mm. <clears throat> like, yeah. It, it makes sense. It makes sense because, um, again, one of the attributes of God's glory, uh, it invokes at times fear or shame. Mm. Um, because, like back to Isaiah, what was it me? I'm a man of unclean. Yeah, <laughs> he's sending <laughs> God's done. He does. He, that's exactly yeah. his reaction because God's glory and perfection exposes our imperfections. And um, when God's coming in the clouds with uh, stacks mm-hmm. of angels and all of mm-hmm. His power and great glory. And you know you're not on the right side of that. Yeah, I can I can see where that's coming from. I'll be and, bawling like a baby as well. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, if you want to read more of that uh, in Revelation twenty verse eleven, it talks about the wicked and ashamed hiding from God and asking for uh, you know the mountains mm. to, to just cover them, hide <laughs> them from God. And it's yeah. it's funny how <laughs> people don't change. Yeah. Humanity doesn't change. Um, so true. What what was the first thing Adam and Eve did when they ate the fruit? <laughs> they go, oh, oh gosh, we're naked. Um, cover yourself up, hide from God. Over there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and their their instinct is hide from God. Run away, run away. And to which I'm like, oh. Uh, great idea, guys. Uh, <laughs> hide from the the one omnipresent guy in the universe. Oh, oh yeah. Have fun with that. But people don't change. Uh, they don't. Six thousand years down the track, nothing and nothing new under the sun. Good old Solomon. Nothing new yeah. under the sun. Yeah. And uh, let's let's get some nice imagery with Psalm sixty-eight, verse two. Oh man. Um, good old uh, David in his um. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what was it? He's either always talking about um, how good God is, or he's talking about slaying enemies and dashing babies on rocks. <laughs> he, he really rolled the emotions, didn't he, David? Yeah. Roller coaster of emotions. Ah, uh, yep. He was yeah. a roller coaster. But and I think this is uh, this is almost a kind of midpoint for David on his roller coaster <laughs> of emotions because he's he's he you know he's asking for God's justice. And he describes it in a way that's very, very, um, uh, I, gosh, I don't know how to say it, uh, very vivid, mm-hmm. uh, but it makes sense. And he says in uh, 68 verse 2, as smoke is driven away, so drive them, the wicked, away. Right. Mm-hmm. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish <laughs> at the presence of God. Wow, oh, David. Snap. Snap. Yeah, that's right. What imagery. Yeah. That's really vivid imagery, but, uh... You know, I actually forget what triggered this the other day. It, it, it must have been something. I was watching a video on YouTube, who knows. But uh, something just kind of hit me, the idea that if this is all that is, um, like, uh, I, I don't even think the most frightening thing about that would be the fact that I'd be dead and that was it. I don't even think that's the most frightening part. I think the most frightening aspect of a finite view of life is... Uh, the idea that some people will go unpunished mm-hmm. and um, you can't rely exactly. on justice. So many times um, the wicked aren't brought to justice on this earth and mm. we have that instinctual God-given desire to want to see justice followed through. Um, That's true. And, and so I can kind of get where David's coming from when he 
He wants the wicked to get their just desserts. Mm, exactly. Because um, a lot of them wouldn't have got it here on earth, and if everyone's to stand before God on Judgment Day... Exactly. It's only fair. It's only fair. It's not like um, it's not like God didn't provide a way. Yeah. So... <laughs> the option was there, man. The option was there, so... Yeah, that, just again, wow, God's glory is intense, very um, intense. Like, it reminds me of another verse. I think it's in Hebrews, don't quote me, but I think it's in Hebrews. <laughs> Back to check in. <laughs> yep. Uh, pretty much, it describes God as a consuming fire. Mm, so, yeah. Yeah, you see the imagery all throughout the Bible. Yeah. Which is interesting. Very interesting. But uh, let's let's shift gears to a more positive note as we wrap up pretty much here in our last two verses. Uh, we've looked at how the... The wicked aren't having such a great time on Judgment Day. Let's have a look at the righteous, those who have accepted the um, mm. the solution to the glory paradox. Let's end on a happy note. I like it. Yeah, let's end on a happy note. Let's see um, what happens. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. Awesome. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the feminine, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Hmm. Yeah, man. I like that. Like the brightness of the feminine and like stars forever and ever. Yeah, man. <clears throat> that, that recurring theme of brightness. brightness. Yeah, mm. all throughout it and light. It's almost like, um, you know, all this time we identify as children of God or children of light. And then at the second coming, that becomes almost you know a literal thing, a literal yeah, fulfillment of it, which is very interesting. Symbology becomes literal. Exactly. It's quite cool. I like it. Yeah. And um, this is probably one that you might not have thought we'd finish on. Uh, good old Ephesians chapter five, uh, verses twenty-six through twenty-seven. Um, you could probably, I reckon, you could probably go through stacks of verses uh, in Revelation, you know, which are more direct. But I like this mm-hmm. one because uh, it's it's symbolic. It's a it's a metaphor. So we'll begin in verse twenty six and read through twenty seven. Uh, that he Jesus might sanctify and cleanse her the church with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Hmm. And I like that, um, to be a glorious church, glory, glory yeah. <laughs> and having no spot or wrinkle or any yeah. such thing without blemish. And mm. the interesting thing is there's a lot of attributes that um, are described of Jesus. You know, he's the lamb without blemish. Mm. And it's the, it's the idea of, you know, we can't do this by ourselves. Exactly. There's no way we can work our way <laughs> to, to being pure like we were in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, we, exactly. We we're stuck with the sinful nature. It's it's like trying to clean a window with a dirty rag. You, you're not going to get anywhere with it. Like it, the the wrinkle too. It reminds me like of age. Mm. I see here an elderly woman. She can't turn back the years and become young again. Yeah, only with Christ. That's I like that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose the uh, the window metaphor also makes sense in that um mm. paul says you know all your good works are like <laughs> dirty rags <Oaks. laughs> uh, you can't you can't get anywhere with that's, it that's that's probably playing it down a little bit yeah like that's really that's really playing it down um <laughs> so i think it's very interesting um that paul writes this you know the only way that 
we are able to be pure again, to be pure of heart and to be able to see God and be within his presence and shrouded by his glory is for Jesus to, you know, cleanse us and sanctify us. Ooh, I like the word sanctify. It's good. <laughs> to cleanse us and sanctify us and make us a pure church. So there you have it. Uh, mm. That is, that was the cutter and floor. That was all of the verses that we didn't get to go through. Oh my goodness. Uh, we're, we're doing well yeah. on time. We're so close. Let's so, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. So, as you do when you prepare for a sermon, there's a lot mm. of things you have to read and research. This is true. So, do you have any recommended readings for us today, Mr. Pisa? I do. Today, I'm going to recommend the Bible Project's animated explanation mm, nice. of God's holiness. Very good. And uh, Ellen White's Patriarchs and Prophets. If you want, uh, with uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, you can just read the parts that are relevant to the sermons, like uh, the chapters you know, on the Garden of Eden or the Tabernacle. Uh, but I'd really recommend reading the whole thing. It's a pretty good read. Very nice. Awesome. So, Mr. Mux, well, where can these people find you? Sure. I have my own YouTube channel with uh, my own sermon, upcoming nice. sermons as well. So, yeah, just Jesse Marks, and you'll look it up and you'll find it there. And my sermon, the first one, but there are more coming, mm -hmm. is called The Prodigal Life. So, yeah. Yes. It's a go. good one. I recommend listening to it. It's very, very good. And where can people find you? Uh, you can pretty much just find me uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, you're in the right place. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> much it. Um, I don't really have a lot of social media. So uh, YouTube, uh, Christopher Peterson. I'll probably come up with a more original name at some point. Um, yeah, we'll get there. We'll okay. get there. But that's pretty much it. Anyways, um, awesome. That concludes today's podcast. Uh, we really enjoyed doing this. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed listening. Indeed. Um, we hope to continue doing these and probably improve them, but uh, let us know what you thought of the podcast in the comments below, if we have anyone listening. <laughs> um, let's Hopefully. Hope, let's hope for it. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. And um, make sure to come back on December 10th, uh, mm -hmm. or in the upcoming days, depending on how quick I am at editing, yeah. um, because we'll have two new sermons, and that means two new After Sermon podcast oh, episodes. Man. It's exciting. It's exciting. We've got uh, Jesse giving one, and we also have, who is not with us, uh, but perhaps in spirit, uh, Mr. Michael Godfrey of the Coffs Arbor Youth. Um, they're both giving a sermon on the same day at yep. different churches. Um, so, it'll be... That's how we like to roll here in Coffs. Oh, the youth are just we so active. <laughs> they're just so active. They're doing stuff all the time. So, <laughs> make sure to turn up around about December 10th, uh, 11th. We'll have all those new episodes. And with that said, have a good one and good night.